to Cinebabble episode 43. Is this uh, a 43 or is this a... Is, no, <laughs> this is a 43 because today we're talking about Last Night in Soho, uh, Edgar Wright's latest film, and we're talking about Titan, which is this bonkers little movie. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on <laughs> I'm sure you're curious about mine because we have not talked about it at all. No. It is on all kinds of best of the year lists and and it's it's something. Uh but but we're gonna just kind of dedicate this whole episode to those two films and uh see where we go. Clint, have you been watching anything else or nope. Nope. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation, like I okay. mentioned, Good. and uh, I'm in uh, probably the end of season three. It's yeah. starting to really kick into gear, okay. where there's some really good episodes. Um, I don't know. I really, it's just like one of those really nice comfort watches. I can throw on an episode in a night, and okay. yeah, uh, see last, what Picard's doing. Yeah, last episode I had watched. You know, I buried or plowed through that entire. Uh, um, I, why do I always forget the name of it? That. Uh, Weird cult in Chile. Oh, um, so, <laughs> Colonia de Dignidad. Thank you. I always want to say security dad. <laughs> I'm Spanish isn't my thing. Yeah, me uh, But yeah, I watched that, and then I just it sent me on a documentary kick. There's this great documentary on Amazon about Kurt Vonnegut, hmm. um, who wrote Slaughterhouse Five, amongst other things. Yeah, and it's just a great reflection on his life. He had a uh, a documentary filmmaker that he met. Oh, goodness. Uh, several decades before he died. Uh-huh. And they just, he followed him everywhere and they became really good friends. Okay. And he just kept filming just enormous amounts of footage and could just never figure out how to put it together into a complete documentary mm-hmm. and has just recently kind of cracked the code. And this is, you know, I think it's been almost 20 years since Vonnegut died, maybe 15. Mm -hmm. But it's a really, really good documentary. It's a really good um, just personal look at his life, his work, what worked, what didn't work, Mm -hmm. and um, highly recommended. It was on Amazon. I think I had to pay five to rent it. But it was... um, It was fascinating to me. And I've never been a giant Vonnegut fan. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, I've I read some things uh, over the years, but he just never really clicked for me. But his his life and his outlook on life was was something really interesting. So that's cool. I think I watched the trailer for that, and it yeah. looked interesting. I'm always interested, even if the person I'm not super familiar with, um, I'm always good up for a good biography or just like a documentary about a a person's life. It's, it's always fascinating. Normally when the person making the documentary becomes a character in the documentary, it turns me off. Right. This did not because their friendship, I mean, they really come to a place that they're almost father and son. Hmm. And, and it's just, it's such an interesting relationship because, uh, you know, Vonnegut is so much older than he is. And this footage takes, you know, place over, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And so it, you really watch this guy age and kind of come to the end of his life. And uh, there's there's tons of interviews with his family members. And it's it's not a uh, glowing picture mm-hmm. at all times. It's, it's very much, it reminded me a lot of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen documentaries on Miyazaki about him and yeah, his son. Uh-huh. It reminded me a lot of that where, oh, our dad was great, except when he wasn't. Uh-huh. And kind of the sweet... Um, speaker that that most crowds would see at, at lectures and things like that was a much more laid back version of of the author that wasn't uh quite as uh 
uh, angry and uh, yeah. frustrated as he would be on a bad writing day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can tell they love their dad. It's it's nothing terrible. It's just you can you can feel that um, the documentary that's being made and presented is not one that's trying to. Here's the greatest human to ever walk the earth. Right, right. Um, but no, def- definitely recommend it. It was really good. That's that's really all I've been watching. So yeah, trying to think if I had anything else, but not really. I mean, I think I covered it pretty good okay. with Star Trek. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm excited to get to uh, both of these movies. So let's just dive right in. Okay. Last night in Soho mm-hmm. is Edgar Wright's latest, and this was billed as Edgar Wright doing a serious horror movie, mm-hmm. and not not to take away from Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead is is definitely a legitimate horror movie, uh, especially towards the end. But but this was Edgar Wright essentially setting out to do something in his style, but similar to how Baby Driver was a heist film. This is his horror film. Yeah. And it's about a young woman uh, with mental health uh, kind of issues in her past, and it affected her mother who had committed suicide. She's essentially been raised for the most part by her grandmother. And she goes off to fashion design school. Mm-hmm. And, in London. Uh, in London. And slowly, uh, with with some time warpiness, starts to have visions of this this woman in the past uh, that she's sort of living her life through, and uh, some some murdery things happen, mm. and it it starts this you know kind of two generations apart uh, murder mystery, trying to figure out what happened to this girl that that she keeps seeing in her dreams. Uh, Clint, what did you what did you think of last night in Soho? Well, it also sets up at the beginning that she has some kind of supernatural kind of ability maybe, of some sort. Maybe she's just crazy, but yeah, yeah, something. Like there's the, something possibility there. if she can see dead people. There's there's yeah. something there that, something. that her grandmother knows is legitimate. Yeah, that's not just a, a figment of her imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, um, in general, I'm a, a fan of Edgar Wright's movies. Like, yeah. I, I especially love that trilogy of um, Shaun the of the Cornetto. Yeah, the yeah. Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz, Hot Fuzz and World's End. World's End. I think that's I love that collection. Yeah. It's such a fun, like, uh, kind of action comedy triplet of movies. It's yeah. fun repurposing your two main actors just as completely yeah. different characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's really fun. Like to have yeah. this kind of community that you're constantly working with. Yeah. So it was interesting when he like kind of went out on his own and is doing his own movies like Baby Driver and then mm-hmm. now this um, and and, and uh, Scott Pilgrim, yes. which you recently just talked about on yes. yeah, yeah on the uh, Apprentice. It's an Apprentice with a young fellow named Anthony. 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 Um, so I I was looking forward to this. I thought the trailer looked good, mm-hmm. and I was interested to see what he would do with kind of a more straight horror film. And kind of also after watching all these Italian horror movies during our um, our Halloween, our Jello, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So seeing him inspired by some of that, I was interested to see what he would do mm-hmm. with that. Um, but. Going into this, I was left pretty cold by this film. I, I there was uh, not much for me to grasp onto. Like I, I didn't care about the characters particularly. Um, the villains weren't that interesting. The use of CG for everything was really lame. <laughs> like you didn't, uh, you didn't like the, the black and white ghosts. 
I've seen with, creepy out with like the Doctor Who smeared faces. Uh, Doctor Who's creepier than this yes, thing is. I know. Honestly, with the weeping angels yeah. and the anyway. What were those creatures? The like silence. The, the silence. Yeah. They were. Yeah. They way were creepier. Way creepier. Um, so I honestly, this this is definitely my least favorite of his films. Hundred oh, yeah. uh, percent. I wouldn't say even if it wasn't. Like if I didn't know it was Edgar Wright, like I and I didn't have that expectation, like I still think I would have left him. Like that was pretty lame. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about it? I I was exactly the same. I was really hoping that people were just not giving it a chance because uh-huh. it's it's really gotten lukewarm reception. Yeah. And I thought for sure this is just people who wanted an Edgar Wright film aren't getting the traditional Edgar Wright film and are just stuck there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie has so many problems. I'm actually kind of shocked this is an Edgar Wright film. It really lacks that that drive and that polish. Yeah. That that he brings to his things, and not that that his stuff is overly polished. Just feels so confident and focused. And this does not. This yeah. this feels like a movie that was almost made as it went, uh-huh. as if it wasn't sure where it was going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't get a sense that it that it knows where it's going and it has so many elements. It's got the mental illness. It's got the supernatural thing. It's got the dreams. It's got the visions. It's got the murder mystery. It's got the weird, let's figure out who the villain is. It's, um, it's It's got got a very strange twist. Revenge tale in some way, but it's like in a woman's like liberation, like she's, I don't know. But I didn't know what it was trying no, to say. I didn't even either. even by the end where it's really kind of hitting that on the head. Yeah. It's just like, so am I supposed to be happy that the murders have happened? Am I supposed to be Am I fe- supposed upset? to be feeling bad for these ghosts? And now? I, yeah, because it almost twists in that direction. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, but these are awful men that have died. Why would I Right. It was it was a very strange and unfocused experience. And then on top of that, the only Edgar Wright element you could feel in it for me was the soundtrack. For sure. And then it just feels like a record drop like every single time because it, it yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't match tonally no. either. It feels out of place. It just uh, you know, I I typically get frustrated when people just call a movie a mess mm-hmm. because it's just they didn't respond to it well or or they didn't grasp what what the filmmaker was trying to do, or maybe they just didn't like it. Um, This, I really felt like I I wanted so badly to like this movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt my brain constantly forgiving it for things that would have turned me off from somebody else because I'm like, this is Edgar Wright. And in Edgar Wright, we trust. (laughs) Um, Well, it actually, it made me kind of want to go back and revisit some of his other films because then it it really put in perspective of like what, what he does as a director and like Mm -hmm. how he works and like, he likes to play with genre. He likes to play with these tropes in genre and like remixing them and like playing with them. Mm -hmm. And then it just made me like, is that all he is though? Like, is he a good, like, if you would say like, if you stripped all that away, is like, he a good director? Because he's just playing with other people's elements and like remixing them in a way. And then. Which the same uh, argument can be made for Tarantino. Yes. And, and I, has been yeah, made for by sure. people. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's rightfully uh, just to ask that question. Yep. It was like, are you just playing with other people's, 
art and elements and um, remixing, remixing. But um, I mean, I, I do think like I, I enjoy those movies, but it makes me and I don't have an answer for that. Like it, it just makes me want to look at those through that view because this one really made me conscious of it. Yeah, because it just felt like he—that's all he was doing. Yeah. And he's like the same thing with the music. The, Music never felt natural. It just felt like he had these songs he really liked and really wanted them in the film. And in a way, it should work because, like, I mean, this guy, he's going into this, um, the world of the 60s and it should be fun, but it never, it just felt like every time it happened, it was just bringing more attention to it rather than feeling it natural. Um, Well, and this is one where the casting did not work for me. And usually his movies are just so sharply casted. Uh, Anna Taylor Joy, Mm -hmm. I thought was good, especially by the end. I I understood the casting of her and I thought her performance was really good. Everyone else. Thomas McKenzie um, as the main character was. Did not enjoy her, especially after Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. She's incredible in Jojo Rabbit. And this, nothing against her. I just, I don't feel like the character that was given to her did her any justice. Yeah. Uh, the, I liked her at the beginning, like when she's playing the very nervous, like yeah. going into this new world of London, high fashion and like yeah. um, trying to adjust and feeling out of place. Like I thought she did good there, but once it turns into, she's feeling more comfortable mm-hmm. and she's feeling like a kind of liberated by going into this sixties world and like experience in that. I never felt like she yeah. made the turn very well. Well, in the world she was up against, it was such a stereotypical, it almost felt like a high school with the bullies. Yeah. And it was just yeah. so obnoxiously I feel like college, college isn't like that Not in that way. All. Everybody's so preoccupied with like their own business of like so much schoolwork yeah. and things like, I mean, like from my college experience, it was just like, I don't think that that's how it would no. be. Um, and then the the landlady who becomes more important than she is is played by the very famous actress who played uh, Lady Olena in Game of Thrones. Took me forever oh. to figure out why is this woman familiar, <laughs> and then finally like oh okay, yeah. Um, but uh, you know even that um, Matt Smith is in this. Yeah, that made me excited at first, but then they don't do anything. He's suitably creepy. Yeah. Um, but. That didn't really go anywhere. There was just so much of this movie just felt off. It felt very first draft, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a first draft made into a, a very high budget movie. Mm-hmm. I, uh, left me cold is the perfect statement. Yeah. And also, like, I mean, Terrence Stamp is plays a character that she runs into who might possibly be an older version of the villain like that she's seeing, but like... I really picked up on it really early that he was the cop. He looks nothing like Matt Smith. No. Nothing. No. Nothing in the the world tricked me into thinking this is an older version of it just it did not work. Yeah. So then I was like, well, he's definitely not that guy the entire time. So then when she's trying to piece together the crimes, like that I'm like, well, it's not him. But and then the whole time it's like it's leading towards him, but then uh, so I was frustrated by that. Um, I think the um is perfect because (laughs) I'm even sitting here like, what else do I even say about this movie? Well, the effects were pretty bad. Yeah, they really were. Man, I wish it relied maybe (laughs) – 
maybe 70%, 50% less on the CGI. And there was, maybe there is some practical element to like the ghosts, but then it's just covered in CGI so heavily, but it just like takes all the weight away from it. And like, especially that whole last sequence where it's like revealed and then there's- It's the, too bright and colorful yeah. for that to work at all. Yeah. It was not menacing. It was not unnerving. It just- for sure. And like, there's no, like, sh- I mean, she can see the threat of these ghosts, but it never sets up in a like solid way that she can actually be affected by them. Like, it's more like she can see them, but like, are they really going to harm you in this real world way? It's more like, so it, it never felt threatening to me. Yeah. I, I wasn't so much put off by the story. I think there's potential there. I just, I I feel like a different director could have done something uh, more uh, just kind of unnerving with it. You know, I want to go back for a moment, like our what if when we did the lamb. What I was thinking about this, it maybe would have worked a little bit better for me anyway, was like if the reveal of, look, I guess this is going to be a spoiler yeah, Spoiler, moment. let's just go ahead now um, with it. But the reveal that it's the um, housekeeper, like the home bullying lady is the Anna, Anna Taylor-Joy older and she's killed all these men. And um, I feel like if they had revealed that maybe halfway through and did, done away with the mystery of who's killed this woman and just went into like she's been killing these men. And then she's a part of like seeing these crimes happen. Yeah. And she gets caught up into um, that storyline. And like she's almost becomes accomplice in some way. And she's like hiding the secrets of it and maybe like late in the real world, like later in light, like in her actual time, like maybe the secrets are starting to come out, but then she, and she's trying to hide it for her because she knows she's justified in killing these men. And that would have been a far more interesting question yeah. because then instead of leaving me confused at the end, like, so is she the good guy? Is she not right. the good guy? Is it good that she killed this man? Is this, uh, you know, hyper stylized women's liberation or is this, in some ways subversive of that and almost critical of women's liberation because at different times I felt like it it almost started to border on is it saying that women wanting to forge their own path and overcome their oppressors is a negative. Uh Uh-huh. And it just, it didn't answer that question. And so I think that would have helped it, what you're saying would have helped it focus more. Yeah, that I mean, it could be really Um, interesting like that she's like, hiding the crimes of the past, but in, in the real, the and she's has a real stake in what's happening, yeah. and, but she feels justified in it because it's for this woman was who was wrong. So, yeah. um, un, like thoroughly by these men. And so she gets really a part of the story. And that would have been much more interesting too, because the landlady would have been, uh, confused that this woman, this young girl in the present knows too much. Right. And how does she know all of right. this? And so there must be something that that's to this. And mm-hmm. you're right. I, I think that would have been a better a better film. I don't this this did not put some dent in Edgar Wright as a filmmaker for me. I No. It just I, makes me think about it like it just it, as the aspect of remixing elements. Yeah. Like at what point are you um 
making your own thing and at what point are you just using uh, yeah. things that already exist i don't yeah. know it just makes me think about that yeah and and i appreciate that that he made this yeah. this is the uh this is the tusk of the the edgar wright <laughs> canon this is kevin smith's tusk um where it's just like okay good on you you had this crazy idea you went for it it didn't work uh totally but you know you made it uh now how about how about we go back and and do do what we enjoy about you? Well, I don't know. I, I don't like that <laughs> attitude either. Like, well, <laughs> Clint, it's the right attitude. <laughs> do what we like. <laughs> I we just more of that. If you're going to do something different, do it well. I think is is my ultimate. You know, uh, <laughs> and that's easy too. <laughs> no, do a good job. I'm just, you know, I'm the consumer. <laughs> I consume. And so you better give me good stuff or I'm not going to consume your stuff anymore. And yeah. then what are you going to be? Then you're not an artist because when consumers don't like your art, it strips you of your ability to art. Right? <laughs> That's what art's for. <laughs> Consumption. Consumption. Yes. Not yes. expressing ideas. No, no, no. <laughs> Screw your ideas. Just, I want to consume. That yeah, art. I mean, it, it has makes a, me feel good. <laughs> it hasn't turned me off that. Like, no. actually, Tusk really turned me off from. I know it did. That's like, why I, I used that as an example. Yeah, I can't watch. Like, it really gave me a bad taste on yeah. Kevin Smith. But this hasn't done that to me. Like, it, it, I, and I don't think this was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was yeah. just like having the expectation of Edgar Wright's films. It yeah. just like left me cold, like I yeah. said. Speaking of, and I, I should have brought it up in What You Watching, because uh, I've been on my documentary uh, mm -hmm. kick, there is a new documentary out called Clerk that's about Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. And it's about, it. you know, it starts when he's young. It opens with a, a VHS video he made before he went off to uh, film school mm -hmm. that he left for his parents just saying, you know, I'm off and... And I'm going to, I'm going to try to do this. And it's a really sweet opening. And that just sort of is a, it's not just about clerks. It's a career retrospective. Oh, okay. It's a little too much of a love letter probably. Yeah. But it was, it was a fun revisit to a lot of movies. And it was, it was something where even in short, they were talking about uh, the ups and the downs and, and what it felt like when Mallrats mm -hmm. did not click and what it was like when Chasing Amy did and why Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back was the next movie and and what in the world they were thinking when they got to Tusk and yeah uh, it was just it was it was worth watching it was good oh, that's cool um yeah I was I was a little surprised it didn't end it uh, talking more about Clerks three which is coming oh um, right yeah but it it just I I've always had a soft spot for Kevin Smith I I watched. Clerks, Small Rats, and Chasing Amy right in their prime. Mm -hmm. I was the exact right age. We started, you know, going to some of his his shows and things like that. The the documentary is is much more about his just taking his career in a direction that was about things that he didn't think would make him happy, but ended up making him happy. The podcasting and the yeah the right. uh, the speaking engagements and things like that. And and really, at, at the end of the day, the documentary is about an artist who discovers what they are as an artist and that it didn't have to be what they first set out to do. He mm -hmm. first set out to be a famous filmmaker, an indie filmmaker. And um, and that's just not 
you know, the way it went or, or what ended up making him happy. Mm-hmm. And he's become much more of this kind of voice of the people, voice of the fanboy right, of right. the comic community and, and what that means to people. And it was just, it was, it was a really good, really good documentary. Nothing super surprising. I haven't found out before, but yeah, it's cool. worth watching. Just like I said, called clerk. Um, and in general, I enjoy him more as this cultural yeah. character than some of his films. Like I, yeah. I, I do like the earlier ones. Like Clerks is still my favorite, yeah. but um, for that aspect of it, I'm I'd be interested to see it because I do enjoy it, him. Yeah, I I really don't enjoy his his movies as much anymore. His last three, um, I believe, Tusk Yoga Hosers and. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot have just really oh man not worked. I, I for have me. seen reboot and yeah. that that was a rough. It really for felt me. forced. Yeah, and again, I get it from the community aspect. I think if I had been a part of an audience and he's there for a Q and A, I can totally see why. You know, as part of that community, it would be a much more uh, enjoyable experience than just as a movie. For sure, uh, I don't. I don't think it works as a movie. It works as a love letter to fans, I guess. Yeah, uh, or. Just a, I don't know. Uh, I am excited about Clerks 3. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Clerks 2. I think Clerks is the better movie, but I, I'm i excited to see how he wraps up those characters because Clerks really sets out to be a, here's where we are when we're young and things are not fun. Clerks 2 is very much a, why are we continuing in this? Why don't we grab hold of our destiny? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's that great moment where, uh, Randall just kind of breaks and Dante's pushing him to, well, you know, if you could do anything, what would you do? And he screams, I would, I would buy the quick stop. Uh-huh. And so that's what they go and do. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious where those characters are in clerks three, because the, the clerks movies seem to be a, a very autobiographical mm-hmm. kind of look at life at, at different ages. Right. So I'm excited about that, but we'll see. Um, I wanted to ask you before we're off of Edgar Wright for a second, mm-hmm. but what would you say? What is your favorite of his films? See, for me, it's Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, and I know that's not the the, the one that most people go to. Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz or mm-hmm. um, a few worlds, and usually it's Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. Scott Pilgrim just man, it sings. Mm-hmm. It's but it's also my childhood. It's oh, video right. games. It's uh-huh. Nintendo. It hits all of those notes, and it never does anything expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite thing about it um, is what I was explaining to Anthony is that any other movie would be the the way you defeat the bad guy at the end is with true love. Uh-huh. And it even does that, and it kills him. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually about self-respect. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those little unsung themes that you don't usually see in movies that mm-hmm. – no, it's not about the movie stuff. It's about you've got to know who you are and you've got to have respect for yourself yeah. before you can accomplish anything. Um, and I'm a message guy. But yeah, Scott Pilgrim, what's your what's your favorite one? I think it all is Shaun of the Dead. Well, yep. I mean, I, I do really enjoy um, um, that one too. But Shaun of the Dead, it's just like that was my entry. Like, I just love that mm-hmm. one. I mean, I love... Um, Oh, what's his name? Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg yeah. and Nick Frost. They're uh, just that comedy duo. And I've honestly probably, I mean, I've followed their career probably even closer than Edgar Wright, even though I, I've seen all the films, but it's yeah. just like I'll watch anything with those two in it. And uh, so that one, definitely. And it was such a surprising movie yeah. because at that time, I feel like I hadn't seen too many like horror comedy movies where it works on both levels. Yeah. And I'm such a fan of 
British that British British sensibility yeah. that it it just is like a perfect melting pot for me of things. Yeah, I think objectively it's his best film. Yeah, uh, you know Scott Pilgrim I think is my favorite. Just it has so much nostalgia there for uh-huh. me. Um, and what it's dealing with. But Shaun of the Dead is just a really, really good movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it even even when it twists away from being a horror comedy and suddenly it's just a horror movie with drama and family drama mm-hmm. and when he's losing his mom at the end and that, it's suddenly a different movie and it's not in a jarring way. No, it works for sure. It works, it works yeah. but it, it suddenly takes on this, this uh, importance that it didn't have before that. It really has yeah. something to say. and Especially um, with like how the his relationship with her is viewed yeah. earlier on and like not like she's a nuisance, but like he it's a little bit strained with the stepfather and things. And then that moment happens and you realize how much love he has for her. Um, so yeah, it works on a lot of levels. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead is a man-child coming of age. Yeah. Whereas Scott Pilgrim almost justifies... <laughs> It's man-child uh-huh. uh, and just at the end of it says, well, but now you found the right girl. Yeah. But you're, you're still – Scott Pilgrim's just not a good guy. <laughs> well, it, I think know. in that one it works really in Scott Pilgrim works well that – I mean he's not a good guy, but he's also very young. Yeah. So I, I'm always very, for, very forgiving of that age range when you're really working out into the real world and finding who you really are without like the uh, safety net of family and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's a dick, but <laughs> he's also like, I mean, that it's fun seeing that movie like time frame where he's learning a lot about himself and through yeah. these like trials of the deadly um, of the, yeah. of the boyfriends and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Scott Pilgrim also has one of my favorite movie soundtracks, even with the the fake band, uh, the uh-huh. Sex Bob. Oh yeah, yeah. I love those songs. They yeah. they they both crack me up, and they're genuinely catchy. Mm-hmm. They're good, um, but they work for the movie, and it just you know that kind of stuff uh, I enjoy. That's, for sure. That's that the the better part of remixing, where you can feel the voice of the filmmaker coming through. And and really doing something unique, yeah. And that, that one isn't I, a remix. I think it was. I can't remember what his name is. It was. He's like the producer for Radiohead. Like mm-hmm. I think he um, did all those songs, worked on those. So like they're originals for the movie, yep. and it works really well as like kind of like a record drop moment, needle drop. But it's also um, contained. It's like a. a I don't know, a thumbprint of that movie. It's cool. Well, and that's where Tarantino and Edgar Wright work for me, even when they're remixing, because I feel like, uh, you know, aside from a movie here, a movie there, they still have something unique to contribute and something to say. And yes, the the remixing is there, but it's more of the framework or the foundation of something that that is original. Uh, You know, Pulp Fiction uh, and even more to that Kill Bill Mm -hmm. is a lot of remixing, but it's done with an an artist's eye. It's it's almost like when we were talking about Wolf House and the installation, you're using all these elements that are familiar, but you're using them in ways that bring a unique quality Mm -hmm. and character to things. Um, And and I guess I guess, you know, going back to last night in Soho, that's why it didn't work, because I could feel all the elements but I didn't feel like they were being put together in a way that said anything particularly 
interesting for me. Yeah. Well, also like in Baby Driver, I mean, those cultural moments that are like he's talking about and like the needle drop things like are such an ingrained in the character like that that's who the character is and it it really feels a part of the world and it doesn't feel like we're just doing for the sake of i wanted this song in here it it's like this is how he gets into the zone to do what he needs to do and um well and and that's a really good point because even the fashion design isn't really a necessary element in last night in soho i can see where it was going for that that it's that it's her working through the past and, and, you know, designing in the future, but that really felt very Un- unnecessary. Or yeah. Just... And honestly, I feel like actually probably at a fashion school, they wouldn't be so encouraging of you just redoing a sixties no. like outfit. Like they would probably be like, yeah, okay, that's good. But what is your stamp on this? Yeah. But it just felt like, I don't think that's how it would really operate. And it would have been more interesting if in the sixties, the Anna Taylor joy character was a designer or had a very specific fashion sense that was not true to the sixties right? that she was replicating and getting credit for and praise for even though it's not her ideas, almost an artist plagiarizing uh-huh. and and finding success because they're plagiarizing somebody that was never discovered. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, that to could me. be interesting if she, yeah, she was a fashion designer who gets caught up in this world where she's yep. basically having to sleep with men yep. and then doesn't get well known. And then in the future, she is remaking her outfits and like, yeah, that would be really and interesting. And then it's the tug of war of, but it's not my stuff. I came here to do my stuff. Yeah. Nobody likes my stuff, but when I replicate this, they love that. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for me as an artist? Right. You know, I, I think that would have been a more interesting internal struggle than almost, murder mystery. It would almost be like a play on his own, like, yeah. Yeah. And and actually, yeah, it would it would comment directly on, you know, where does the artist begin and the remixer end? Right. Uh, Ooh, now we just made, <laughs> see there we did it again. Let's call Edgar up and get him on the Just Hollywood Soho needs to call too. us. Come on, yeah. Hollywood. You got just, a number? Yeah, send us a script. We'll send a babble it, send it back to you, and uh put some aliens music to it. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> like like I added aliens music last week. You were definitely not talking about aliens. Ago. Yeah. No, I was definitely not. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to Titan. And Titan is a 2021 French horror film written and directed by uh, Julia. I do you know how to say her last name? Because I will butcher it. <laughs> Ducournau. 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 Uh, the film uh, is uh, her feature film debut. And I don't um, think so. She did Raw. You're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the actress oh, okay. who plays Alexia, who's in her feature film debut. Oh, right. Um, yeah, this is the actress's first movie, which was very surprising to me. Uh, but she plays Alexia, a woman who, after being injured in a car accident as a child, has a titanium plate fitted into her head. That's literally all the description <laughs> says. And that is wow. That could be anything. <laughs> Uh, yes, she does have an accident as a child. Yes, she does have a titanium plate put in her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Story flash over. forward, <laughs> uh, she is an adult model dancer uh, who goes to car shows and performs and dances on cars. Mm-hmm. Within 10 minutes of this movie, there is a scene, and I'm just going to out with it. There is a scene where she, uh, after murdering a man, which is the real plot, 
She goes back to the car show to figure out what to do about his body. And she climbs. Well, the cleanup. Oh, yeah. She yeah. goes, she climbs into this car that she had been dancing on earlier and something happens. And I, she's inside the car. She and has relations a, with the car. She has relations with the car. There is a sexual encounter with the car. And you don't know if it's a dream or what's happening, but then weirdness ensues. Mm-hmm. Clint, what did you think of Titan? Um, this is, I had seen the trailer for this. I feel like I start every single one of my, yeah. yeah. You, I, I saw the go, trailer. You go around the bend. Yes. And then you I like tell a little, us what you think. a little back history yeah. of like yeah. my viewing experience. Well, um, that's why I let you go first because then I'm just like, <laughs> I hated it. I loved it. <laughs> um, I can't get to the point. I'm okay. okay. Um, well, I was interested in seeing this movie. I I really liked Raw. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting uh, take on kind of like a cannibalistic cannibal horror. Yeah, cannibal horror. I thought that was really cool. Um, and so I was into seeing this one. And then you you mentioned it, and uh, I was excited you had watched it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I watched it before you, and typically it's the other way around. Yeah. Um. But I I really like this movie. This movie is bonkers. And for all the bad <laughs> things you've said about the French, uh-huh. like you've said some horrible things I about really the French. I, like I, it's unspeakable. We shouldn't. We're not really going to speak it really ever again. I'm sorry. But um, man, this is the most French of like French movies. It is like twisted. this this doesn't shy away from anything. Like it's like we're going to show her having a sex with a car. Like the first I was surprised you watched the, all this movie from the beginning of this thing. I was like, <laughs> man, um uh this it's it's in your face and does not shy away. I it's bizarre. It's super bizarre. In um in the best ways where like it, it's one of those things where you think for a second, like they've done everything in movies. Everything's been done. Like, what's the point? We're just going to be Edgar Wright remixing elements that have been seen before. And then you see Titan and you're like, oh, there's a wide world of like <laughs> things that can be um, stories that can be told. Um, it all like to a lesser filmmaker, it would feel like. They had a dartboard with some random words on it, threw them, and it, like this is our story. But it, it by the end of it, it feels like a very cohesive film, and it has things to say, and it's surprisingly sweet, and it's surprising like it's dark, it's horrifying, and it's everything. Um, it was great. What did you think? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to love this film. (laughs) I did. And I had the reasons why I was going to love this film. Yeah. From the trailer. I did not love this film for any of those reasons. You set me up here. You keep telling me to watch this film. Hold on. Hold on. Let me go around the bend, Clint. I love this film, though, Uh for completely different reasons than I was expecting. I adored this film. It was... The right kind of bonkers for me. See uh-huh. what I did there? I was oh, just luring yeah. you into feeling like no. I you I, fool. I know. I I genuinely enjoyed this movie, just not at all for the reasons I thought I was going to. Yeah. Not at all for the reasons people were talking about it. It from from those opening ten minutes, and that's why it's not spoiling anything. She she murders a guy 
and it's not the first murder. And then there's that this weird car encounter. In a way. And then she starts having this rapid pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then th- there's weird stuff happening with that that's super body horror. And she's trying to hide out and she's on the lamb. And so she disguises herself as a boy and uh, pretends to be. Uh, you know, this, this fireman's son come back who had been kidnapped when he was a child, all this stuff. There's so much happening in this movie and none of it should work. None of it should work. And certainly none of it should work together. No. There's like six movies in this thing Mm -hmm. and it all works. Yeah. It, it, and, and what it hinged on for me, and this, this goes a little bit into spoilers. What it hinged on for me was the father buying into her being a boy and, and, uh, his son. Mm-hmm. The minute it it revealed that no, he just so desperately needed his child back that he knows it's not. Yeah, yeah. But he just needs he needs her to be mm-hmm. his kidnapped son, who he probably knows is dead, and he just right. he needs it. Mm-hmm. That was when this movie really clicked, and I'm like, this movie, pardon the pun, all cylinders. It's got. <laughs> It's just got everything coming together. It, vroom, vroom. It, vroom, vroom. Mm. it has something to say. I have no idea entirely what it's saying or why. I I don't know that I fully understand. I don't know if I fully <laughs> understand the concept of the car and what's happening there. And I don't think it matters. I'm sure there's reason to it. Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think this is uh a, a woman who is having uh, some sort of falling out with reality <laughs> and reality is just striking back or punishing her or I don't even know how to describe what happens in this movie. I take it all at face value. That I, I did too. It's, yeah. it's literally happening. Yeah. There were times I thought, is she just hallucinating these things? And it makes it very clear by the end. Um, but it, it just... I know it has a lot more to say than I was picking up on. It makes me so much want to revisit this movie mm-hmm. and watch it again and just try to understand what all it's saying. I think that, um, I mean, the whole setup of her getting this titanium plate mm-hmm. and like she has seemed seemingly a bad relationship with her family. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like in that moment of like, she's almost partially machine herself like she's has this transformation in that moment and she has like i feel like she connects with the cars cars in general like she has a kinship to them and so she it like kind of takes the place of her family Mm -hmm. and um i think in that way it's kind of it plays into like she replaces her family through this mechanical um like relationship relationship with yeah. this thing non um uh I'm trying to think of the right word um anyway she with cars and in the same way like this man like desperately needs something to fill this hole of her of his son and just will believe anything like yeah. so like believes that she's her she's his son and she believes she has this relationship with the automobile um so i I feel like there is some intertwined thing being said there um 
And I think, I don't know, it's really interesting. It's a movie weirdly about healing. Yeah. She's essentially a cold mechanical sociopath mm-hmm. that's learning to accept love. Right. From this this father figure. Uh, and she's she's never been loved appropriately. She mm-hmm. was a problem child and and has continued to be hated. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's opening up and becoming more human. He's had a tragic loss he's dealt with for years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's completely torn apart his family and he just needs closure. And And I think really at the end, that's what this movie is about, is about closure. Well, closure. And I think he's learning to love again too, because he's probably been shut off for so many years after the loss of the son. So, and he, and he desperately wants to heal and love again. And this is the moment for him to be able to, and he doesn't care regardless that she is not really his son. Like it's, it's what he needs in this moment and he'll believe and do anything anything to have that. Well, and at the end, her story can come to an end because she's found acceptance and love regardless right. of who she is. And and he essentially gets what he lost mm-hmm. uh, in more ways than one. For sure, yeah. And, and, and so the movie is really about him. It's not about her. Um, her story has a complete arc. His, you know, by the time the credits roll, you're just like, well, what... What in the world <laughs> happens after that? How do you even, you know, spoilers, but how do you even take that baby to a doctor? <laughs> what the heck? Well, um, I mean, I feel like it would, I mean, what he's just gone through with her, yeah. like, I mean, she was equally like on the fringe of like reality. The and, fringe of fringe. Yeah. Like just yeah. like the way like he accepted her. So like to accept this half like titanium baby, I feel like uh, he can do it. Like, can you imagine what's going on in his mind? He doesn't know there's a rapid pregnancy. He just, all of a sudden she's splitting open and oil's going everywhere and he's holding a baby with metal on it. Uh Uh-huh. What do you even do with that? Where do you, this movie, like I said, I I thought she was hallucinating and at no point did I think this was going to go full Lynch or Cronenberg. And this just went, Bonkers. Honestly, um, this is like one of the best um, body horror movies. Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, I like this better than any of Brandon Cronenberg's films. Like better uh, than um, Possessor. Yeah, I yeah. honestly like I did because it it that I felt was painting by the numbers in mm, some like Cron- like Cronenbergy way. Like where it's like I knew where it was going mm-hmm. the entire time. And this one had me so on off kilter the entire time yeah. that the elements of body horror just were like kind of icing on the yeah. cake. Like it just, it added to the weird and um, because everything else was so weird too. And it's such an off kilter story that like, it just added to it. Also, I wanted to bring up like that whole, the whole story of um, she takes the place of this, this man's kidnapped boy. son that yeah. is ripped from the headlines because there, yeah. have you seen that documentary? I've seen that documentary. It's about the boy who like the man who like pretends to be these kid, this family's son who went missing and they completely accept him and, and he even has, though they shouldn't. And he doesn't look anything like him. He's like blonde haired, dyed blonde haired. He mm-hmm. has a weird accent and he just makes up all these excuses and they, they buy into it because they desperately want their son back. And I think he was even like French. Like yeah. I think in that story, like who um, who hides away in America. And 
I thought that was such an interesting idea of using that story yeah. in the middle of this story. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just... I was I was prepared to only like it because I really thought it was going to pull its punch at the end. Yeah. I really thought this is because everything that's happening to this girl, uh, as far as body horror is concerned, happens in only her view. Mm-hmm. No one else witnesses any of this happening. She's hiding it constantly. And so I just kept waiting for it to be a, this is a manifestation of her mental illness. None of this is actually happening. This is just our way as the audience of getting a glimpse into what's going on in her head mm-hmm. or the the level of delusion she's functioning at. So when this movie went all in in the last 10 minutes or, or whatever it is, I was just blown away mm-hmm. uh, because then it made me recalibrate and, and reflect back on everything I just watched. Oh, this was all real. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's part of why I want to go back to it and try it again because I want to I want to watch it. I know you have an easier time with that of of just accepting from the beginning. Yeah, that because something I, is literally this happening. is what I want to happen. Yeah. Like because like I'm always like wanting like I I want it to be happening, but I call that the true detective effect <laughs> because in season one I really of true detective and we talked about it. I constantly. still that one I still believe it. Did. I do too, but yeah. I know it's not. But I believe it. <laughs> I will make it Lovecraftian, even though the the director has said over and over and over again, no, it's not. Well, he's um, wrong. He is wrong. Yeah. He's wrong about his own art, yeah. uh, which we've established well <laughs> on here. Uh, but but I I was so burned by that and some other things too that that it's so disappointing to find out that something you think is supernatural and weird or whatever is not. That it it makes me gun shy, and I don't want to accept it because then if it just is just a delusion, then I'm going to be disappointed. I think I had an easier time because seeing Raw, oh, like yeah. I mean, I knew the the her work, the director's work. So That's it's just true. like I never I had this feeling that. that she would shy away from it. Like I feel like she would like she's working in genre. Yeah. Um. So I I never felt like it was just trying to play with these like thoughts of like, it's all in her head. I never yeah. pieced that in there. Um, I wanted to bring up that I thought uh, Agatha Rizel, Rizel, mm-hmm. she was fantastic. Oh my goodness. Like um, so committed to everything. In yes. This. Because like, I mean, she has to be so many different things. Like the beginning, she has to be this uh, sexual object on the car, like dancing. She has to be like trying to be a man, this boy. The she whole time be... she's got this prosthetic. That's her brain exposed. Yeah. Essentially. She has to be Um, so many different things and characters in this thing. Like she has to be this psychotic killer and like a lover and all. I don't know. It's just a lot of. This is not a movie star movie. She's attractive. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, she is made to. She's only attractive for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then it is this descent into her intentionally making herself uglier and uglier and uglier. And Uh. as an actress, that's. That's so brave to me in a system where everything is about how you look to take on a role that completely flips that upside down mm-hmm. and and moves against that and says, no, I'm going to be unrecognizable by the time you even get halfway through this movie. Yeah. And and I just for me, that's that's somebody who is really acting. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is willing to not think about their career or how they look on screen. It's just what's the part? What's the character? What do I need to shape myself into 
to commit to this character. And I, I just, I eat that up. I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, that scene where she's in the bathroom trying to remake herself yeah. before she... Oh, breaking her nose. That, and, I could not watch oh. the nose breaking. I was like, I had a really hard time I with that. I also flinched and closed my eyes on yeah, that one. I like did, a, yeah. Like I was 15 or something. Yeah, it's just one of those things yeah. I can't watch. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't at first. I, I thought when they were setting all of the, the pieces about kidnapped children... I thought it was about her father or something like that, or I thought there was going to be a different connection to that storyline. I was pleasantly surprised that it was just so she could uh, essentially insert herself into the life of this man who had lost his son. Right. I love the reaction when uh, she reconnects with the boy's mother. And the yeah, boy's mother yeah. instantly is just like, I, I don't know what's going on in his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever conversation they have was just, wow. Oh, and I liked her choice not to out her. Yeah. Like, she's just like, okay, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a part of this, but I'm not yeah. going to blow up your spot here. Yeah. And, and I think that moment also helped me that, like, it make it reality mm -hmm. because, like, I mean, yeah. that she was kind of a witness to it. Yeah. Um, it would have been yeah. far more believable if it was a girl who had been kidnapped, uh -huh. but her posing as a boy, I think really added that element of just enough ludicrousness that it wasn't believable. Mm -hmm. And that really sold the father needing to believe it. Yeah, I think it would have been much more of a typical, no, she is, no, she isn't mm -hmm. if it was a daughter. Um you know, and and so I, that that I think was a really smart choice, and I'm sure there's plenty more there about identity and sexuality and things like that uh, well, that I they're mean, exploring there. I mean, it's it's clearly there. It just, um, you know, I was I was so caught up in everything else going on in the movie, I, I don't even know if I had time to to think about that very much. Well, even I mean, for sure, even like that scene where she's dancing on the um, the fire truck, the fire truck, and like he's still he's denying that she's. Um, or that he, she is not his son. <laughs> yeah. And um, so just to see, like, in, I don't even know if he completely believed that she was a woman in that moment or just like, I, I don't know. That's definitely the moment the other firefighters realize. Well, the one guy had kind of mentioned well, yeah. it before. But the but other ones. Yeah, like, yeah. Or at least there's something off that we're not recognizing from the yeah. beginning. But, um, and then like, there's the whole sequence where like, she's coming on to him. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that is more part of like, she can't separate love from like physicality, love, physicality and lust yeah. and like, doesn't know how to process it. But I like the, that he like turns her away and just yeah. like still, even if she's not his son, like it doesn't have, it's more a, a paternal like yeah. relationship. He feels like totally. Well, and that's that's where the things I expected it to do, that's what I was alluding to earlier. I knew it was going to be a twisty movie, but I always thought it would twist left and it would always twist right. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was very happy about that because mm -hmm. it, it kept me guessing. And at some point I just gave up on guessing and just, where are you going? I'm I'm along for the ride. Let's just see what happens. I realized talking about a, a body horror car movie, how many analogies <laughs> in common use have something to do with cars uh -huh. because there I just said, I'm along for the ride. And I'm just like, what a terrible <laughs> pun. But any other time I could have said that and everybody been like, yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh -huh. Titane. 
I don't think I, I think I was off kilter from the beginning. Yeah. Like I, because I don't know. I just didn't know where it was going. So I didn't this even try. This would be a great double feature with Christine. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I thought about that at one point too. I yeah. was just like, man, start open with Christine. And then finish with Titan. Like if he had sex with the car and like then they had a well, that, car baby. It, it, when you watched Christine, that always felt like what was, yeah. there wasn't a way yeah. to consummate, but it right. felt like that's what was really happening there. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, it, I, I just, it, it so scrubbed my brain of expectation within 10 minutes of this movie Yeah, that I didn't know what was coming next because that was such a bizarre post-murder scene uh-huh. and then what follows this weird family moment and something to do with oil and then she's like killing a house full of people what the heck is happening here uh but i was again i didn't love it for the reasons i thought i loved it for completely different reasons i am pretty sure this will be on my top 10 of the year yeah um just even just from the experience it just it was a, it was wild for sure i mean like if a movie can like I feel like I like I said it already, but like show me something I've never seen yeah. before, and pleasantly surprise me, and like I am all on board. Like it may, give me a new experience. I'm all yeah. yeah. That's a I, I mean in this age of so many movies, like that is far and few between, and this did that. It was amazing. I would love to uh, somehow have the kind of money and power. To arrange a pre-screening of Fast and Furious 10 <laughs> and get this whole theater packed and, watch this. and then show Titan. <laughs> Maybe cut in it's like, cards, I promise. really early in, cut in a, an unrelated scene with Vin Diesel just to make people – so for at least a half an hour, they're like – Where's Vin Diesel? Where's Where's the fam? <laughs> what's What's going on here? I, I would love – to do that to that crowd it'd be well i mean i think it would keep like the earlier scenes in this movie that crowd would probably be into it (laughs) like uh, but then like it's it's gonna i mean like oh this is okay but then it's gonna take a twist they're not in store like ready for fast 10 titanium (laughs) baby (laughs) all right so last night in soho man give it a try if you love edgar wright Uh, for those of you who defend this movie and love it I'm jealous of you. I I wish I could uh, have enjoyed last night in Soho. Is there a, like a really strong like uh, group of people who are like defending it? It's small, it? but yeah, yeah. It's it's a small group that's that's really trying to explain what he was going for and and why it worked for them. And good on them. No, I don't um, blame him. I wish I had the same experience. Yeah, I I do too. Um, but uh, Titan Titan is not what you expect. It is so much better, and it is so much weirder. And we've been talking about it for half an hour and I still don't feel like we've even (laughs) brushed the surface of what this movie is. Yeah. I feel Um, like maybe a couple more view, like another viewing and maybe some of the like underlying um, themes might come out a little bit more, but just from it's, it's got a lot in there and it's cool. So, so give it a shot. And then uh, going back to clerk, if you're, if you're a fan of Kevin Smith or the Vonnegut documentary, if you're a fan of Vonnegut, uh, or even if you're not a big fan of either, uh, both really, really good documentaries. And if um, you just want something relaxing to watch, just check out what Picard's doing on Next Generation. Now, are you excited about Picard season two? I am. That's coming next. I am. I I, I really enjoyed the yeah. first season. I did. Yeah, I'm excited about Picard, and I'm really excited about Strange New Worlds. Oh yeah, which is the Pike Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, I just so love those characters. I was sad when 
their storyline kind of wrapped up. So then to hear that they were getting their own series, yeah. I was excited about. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the latest um, iteration of the Star Trek. So. Now with Discovery, and I want you to spoil here, does does Giorgio come back at all in season four? Giorgio? Uh, played by Michelle Yeoh. Just spoil it if so. I don't care. Well, I'm, I mean, it's only been two character. episodes, oh, okay. so um, I can't tell you right now. Okay. Yeah. Like I, in the last two episodes, no. I really miss that character, and I, I know they're going to bring her back somewhere in one of these series. Yeah. Um, but she was a fun character, so. Yeah, they might. I don't know. No. I'm, I just, Star Trek's really got some things figured out right now. There was a, an article here just the other day uh, that um, Brad Pitt's in the next Star Trek film. Oh, really? Possibly. I don't know what they're doing there, but maybe he's an older Chris Pike. Huh. Uh, like an older Kirk. I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm I'm all about it. I just I feel like they finally there was there was this period after Next Generation where they were always trying to figure out what to do with Star Trek next. Mm-hmm. And I I never feel like they they got it until recently. Mm. And um you know, some of it's the MCU model, some of it's more than that, but it really feels like they they've got a good uh kind of finger on the pulse of how to reinvent uh, and represent some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like the different series. They've got different things going on. Strange New Worlds will probably be much more of a throwback for your classic Trek fan. Discovery is much more for the modern Trek fan. And Picard is its own thing. Yeah. That yeah. both works for next generation fans and does some new things, mm-hmm. uh, which I like. So, yeah. I mean, the cartoon is really cool too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lower Decks. Lower Decks. I haven't, there's also another cartoon, Prodigy, but it's specifically for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so I haven't even, I haven't either tried that one. Um, it doesn't look interesting to me, but cool that they're doing it for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, in that case, market it for kids. I, I like that they're differentiating the different shows and like, here's the audience for this show. For sure. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, other than recommending the inevitable Fast 10, which will not, be like titane i assume you're recommending fast 10 no goodness oh. <laughs> i'm doing it ironically clint Come on, i don't man. know i is there a fast 10 coming out I mean, fast nine just hit oh and vin diesel oh this is the culture we live in mm-hmm. so vin diesel and the rock had a feud i heard about and that vin yeah. diesel wants the rock in fast 10 uh-huh. but the rock hasn't committed to fast 10 so vin diesel went on twitter or Instagram or whatever he did on and wrote this impassioned plea mm-hmm. for his little brother, The Rock, because that's how you patch up old relations. You call somebody your little brother. When he's like when seven he's feet tall. far more famous than you <laughs> and far bigger. Uh, but he, he made this impassioned plea for him to come back to the series and all this. And The Rock hasn't really committed. And it's such a weird... I feel like The Rock is being... uh, Or Dwayne Johnson, excuse me. I feel like Dwayne Johnson is being just a professional actor. And Vin Diesel is just this weird child, like, trying to, Hey, buddy, come be in my movie. Um, Come on, fans, get him on board. And Dwayne Johnson's just like, yeah. Well, at this point, isn't that, like, the Fast movies, isn't that basically all that Vin Diesel's doing? Yeah, pretty much. So... Yeah, I mean, I, it's some Marvel voice work. and Right. Oh, yeah. You know, but it just seems like Vin Diesel's always making the next mm-hmm. fast entry. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's it's You fun. know you care. I I don't. I can see I just, it. I, if people love those movies, good on them. I just, I don't get them. Yeah. 
So, uh, so this has been Cinebabble episode 43. Uh, we are headed towards our uh, best of the year list. That'll probably come into December, more likely sometime in January. So we have more time to reflect back. As always, you can find us on Instagram or cinebabblecast.com. Send in some feedback. Uh, I'm looking forward to next year. We've talked about doing some more uh, just Q&A uh, answering some of your questions. And I've got a pile growing, uh, some interesting stuff you've been sending that uh, we'll tackle next year and, and maybe do a little bit with each week, but it's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this was uh, the second episode I didn't pass out. I'm so, proud of you. Thank you. And there's no cat in the room chewing. All our corn survived. I love that you left that in. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> you can just hear it just all... All of a sudden, just the the pure confusion. And then your disdain. And the moment I was so confused, I didn't pick up on how much just raw rage you felt in that moment. But listening back, I'm like, he's genuinely mad at this cat. This poor animal. (laughs) Because I told you before. And you're like, no, we'll trust the animal. We'll trust the animal. All right. Well, I hope everyone had a, a good Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago. Did you have ago a good Thanksgiving? I, yes. Yes. I had just gotten those back shots. Oh, okay. So my Thanksgiving was a little bit of a blur. <laughs> I had a half an hour so the night before. Was it kind of like our uh, LA trip? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where you don't even remember I was there? I remember <laughs> you there. I remember your wife there. It's the best man's speech that I don't remember. <laughs> I Okay, you remember I was there, but there was probably whole days where you didn't remember yeah, the day. I, this was right before a surgery, and I they had me on Vicodin and Valium and went to L.A. for our friend's wedding. And we're out there for a week, and I might remember 10% because <laughs> I was so medicated. And I didn't realize at the time how poorly medicated I was until yeah. now trying to remember that trip. Is like trying to remember a movie I watched when I was four. It just, there's bits and pieces. There's a rancor monster. It made me cry in the theater. But uh, you're slowly morphing it with Green Lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, No, it was was a good Thanksgiving. I'm looking more forward to Christmas. And yeah, uh, I'm hoping this Christmas is a little more normal than than last year. Last year was a pain. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. South African variant of COVID. We're not going to survive, Ken. Yeah, we're at the time we're recording this. We knew nothing about that variant. By the time you listen to it, uh, maybe it, it's killed us all. So, maybe you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we might all be dead. It was a really dark note to end on. Uh, titan. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what the titanium than the baby African is. Variant. Yeah, the titanium baby resists COVID. Oh, um, it's secure. So it's everybody, the, climb in the back of your cars answer. and get to work. All right. Well, this is episode. <laughs> 43 of Cinebabble. Thanks as always for listening. Clint, you have yourself a good uh, Christmas season. You too, Ken. Bye. Thanks, Clint.